stick with you. Yo, yo, y'all ready for this? episode of High Friction Max Traction and we're going on Spotify so for the listeners out there we'll try and re remember that uh, you won't be seeing us on on the YouTube channel so we'll make it sure that you can hear us. Thanks for the sponsors messages there from the last sport TV. Now Aaron today we have got a mega show lined up with one of the let's just say it, we're going big today we are going big in today's episode with one of the uh oh, Greatest all-time mountain runners, I feel. I don't, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Do you think this man um, fits that category? Oh, for me, definitely. Yeah, like uh, on his record and just what he's achieved. Um, yeah, superstar. All right. So, two-time Olympian, uh, six times mountain running world champion, all the way from uh, sunny uh, Italy. Actually, I think it's snowing there currently, and it's night time. We will introduce our man into the uh, into the show. We're just like we're getting him in. We're getting him in. Here he comes. Oh, oh, it's Mr. J. Can he hear us? I can. He can. A big Kaora to Jonathan Wyatt, all the way from Ziano, Italy. Welcome to the show. Kaora, nice, uh, nice to be here. And um, look. Uh, you know, uh, the world has changed, but uh, we're, um, you know, we're still positive. We still love to do our sport, and um, and uh, I'm happy to be here and talk about it today. Cool. Well, I hope the Wi-Fi gods are with us today. I mean, Jono's there. He's in his little mountain shack in Italy. You can sort of see there in the. Uh, oh, it's lovely. It's a bit dark though. Obviously, it's late at night in Italy, in Europe. Um, I suppose. For, for people that don't know you, Jonathan, or Jono, as we like to refer to you as, I mean, uh, obviously, you're a Kiwi, you end up in Italy. Um, how, how did that happen? And, and I suppose, tell us the tell us your journey. Two-time Olympian, multiple world world, uh, world <laughs> champion. How did, how did this all occur? Yeah, the back, the back story. Hey, um, yeah, look, uh, growing up in Italy, um, you know, in New Zealand, I used to love running a running cross-country races as a, as a young whippersnapper. And, um, yeah, just uh, just really enjoyed my running. And then um, uh, over, over years, got uh, chances to race internationally. And, and um, you know, I guess highlights for me were for sure um, being able to compete at, um, at the Olympic Games. So uh, first, first time was in Atlanta in 1996. Um, back with, uh, I remember I was, I was racing with guys... Um, to, uh, to, uh, to give it a more of an Australian context, uh, Sean Brighton, he was one of my contemporaries, and um, and Julian Painter, and uh, um, there were some great, uh, you know, some, we had some great clashes with the Aussies uh, as we were growing up and um, and, um, and getting into our international running careers. So and, and the back and forth, uh, Kiwis and Aussies is always uh, always um, always one of the uh, one of the one of the highlights, you know. Yeah, we, we always, whenever we did a race, we, 
when, 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 when we went into a race, we, if it was an international race, we'd, we'd say, look, it doesn't matter where you get as long as you beat the Aussies. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's pretty standard, that kind of thing, isn't it? Like, uh, there's that great... Uh, yeah, friendly, friendly rivalry between between our two nations, which is ah, oh, it's great to see. I mean, I love um, obviously I love oh, seeing had, you guys over there. We had, yeah, well, look, we had some of the best trips away. You know, once the Kiwis and the Aussies got together, you know, Steve Monaghetti and uh, um, some of some of our our team members. You know, with uh, I think there's a real we can always relate to each other being being Anzacs. So uh, when you when when you're on you know, international, um, doing international races, uh, um, and, uh, and and you get to get to hang out with um, you know, uh, people like you know Steve Monaghetti, obviously um, you know, one of the one of the legends of uh, of, uh, of Australian running, and uh, you know, and, uh, often uh, see people like Lee Troop as well. Uh, so you know, people that that uh, you could sort of uh, not only look up to, but also um, you know test yourself against. Was um, uh, really helped uh, my my running career improve for sure. So, um, so yeah, look, look, I spent you know I spent quite a few years doing track and field. Um, cross country was my first first love, I would say, cross country running. Yeah. And um, and then um, yeah, sort of got you no, know, I wouldn't say got got you know, got a bit tired of it, but um, we're sort of looking for new new things, new challenges. And um, somebody suggested I should give mountain running a go, and um, I went. Went away and did a did the New Zealand champs and and, and, what? and got you smashed it. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now I hear, I hear a rumor is you're quite good at going uphill. So I mean that's word on the street. I don't know if that's true. I mean you say well, you're that, better, that was, is that is that is that true? You're, you're better going up than going down. Is that the? Yeah, that's that's very much true. And, and that was that was the reason why I did the race in the first place. It was like, oh yeah, it's an uphill race. I should be able to handle that. <laughs> Are you, are you been uncoordinated, uh, yeah, look, was... uncoordinated for the descents, or what's what, why aren't you so good at going bombing down? <laughs> yeah, horses for courses, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah, just <laughs> we used to uh, we used to live up the up the top of a, a bigger hill actually, and um, I'd always always jog down the down the hill to get to my flat training, and then um, and then power up the hill to get home. So um, don't know, don't know really, um, but definitely. Um, more adept to, uh, to to the uphill stuff and, and the, especially the, the technical fast downhill running where I think um, you know the, the runners growing up uh, and, and living in the mountains really um, really have a bit of an advantage there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I mean, we, we don't want to talk you too too down about your you going down. I mean, you could you could definitely hold your own for sure. I mean, you won so many races. I'm I'm sure you can go a little bit quicker than the average person down a hill. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, you just got to pick and choose your races. That's all. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, cool. No, it's pretty. It's it's like that. Cool. All right. So I you uh, you mixed um obviously uh if that was the early two thousands when you made the switch, but you mixed um you still went to the Olympics in two thousand and four. So you uh you managed to mix marathon racing on the road with um with still mountain running. Impressive. Yeah. Yeah, good, good, good question, Aaron. Because yeah, there was this sort of this transition, I think, um, and uh, I was I was really excited about trying something new, really enjoying it and having success in mountain running. Um, but I still wanted to do do well on, especially on road running. Um, I, I would say I was winding down a little bit the track side, um, yeah. although I still had some good track races in the early two thousands. 
Um, but yeah, was was still um, still wanting to get to the Olympics again, and and um, the big carrot was getting to Athens in 2004 and and, and running the marathon there, which is um, yeah, pretty definitely a once in a lifetime because you know running the original marathon course from oh. the town of Marathon through to um, the city yeah, of Athens. Yeah, yeah. You know, Following those those uh, ancient footsteps was, was, was pretty special. Yeah, and you and you didn't and you, Sydney wasn't an interest. I see you jumped uh, you jumped a, a, a games there, or is that just a a, a qualification issue? Is that I, I think I recall you tell me once that you had it was just a, a nightmare to qualify for the uh, the Olympics. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping you wouldn't mean. That. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, look. Um, would have loved to get to Sydney. Sydney was a fantastic game. Um, you know, built great facilities as well. Um, yeah, was, was was trying to qualify in the 10,000, and they um, yeah, just really struggled getting into good quality races. Um, you know, it was in good good shape, but um, you know, the, the racing wise, the 10k is is there's not many opportunities to do do good times and. Uh, and to be honest, that was when I was really um, uh, first enjoying and getting into mountain running. So I remember, for example, um, I did a um, did a, uh, a qualifying race, um, and then about three days later, I, I, I went out and did a did a did a mountain race, you know, because I was so I was so you know, so pissed off about the about the qualifying situation. I was like, stop it! I'm just gonna gonna spend the rest of the rest of the summer in Europe doing uh, doing mountain races. So. Um, so that's what I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And did you find, obviously, doing a lot more mountain running, and was that, I suppose, did it did it slow you off a bit for the track? Did it make you a bit slower? Obviously, a lot stronger on the hills, but did it actually it didn't give you that leg speed for the track work? And that's, but obviously, I mean, that's the choice you made back then. But is that one of the yeah. the um, I suppose it's a hard transition to go between the two different disciplines. I think they're quite complementary, especially in terms of the you know the base work, the build up, and the volume sort of phase. Especially, I, I would say more in, in marathon running. Um, but yeah, you're right. Once you get into the specific, um, um, you have the specific training required for track, for example. Um, yeah, you have to you have to choose you have to choose what you want to concentrate on because uh, the mountain running season in Europe obviously is, is through the summer, uh, which is when the track races occur as well. So okay. Um, yeah. It's not like not like you can do both. Whereas with marathon running, for example, you can um, you pretty much have two windows of marathon racing, which is either spring or an autumn. So yeah, so you pretty much can also do um, pretty much a full season mountain running uh, and and get really fit and strong, and then and then do some quality work um, before doing an autumn marathon, for example. Yeah. Um, so for that side, yeah, you, you can do both. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. No, it's um. And I mean, I look back at some of the old uh, pictures of, of yourself at, at the games. Uh, I think it was Atlanta, and and obviously you're one of the. Uh, it's one of you, you, and it's just a, a whole host of African runners. So I mean, that's 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 awesome. Yeah, this little Kiwi guy, <laughs> yeah, mixing up with all these top athletes from from Africa. It's it's pretty awesome to see. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like who's that? Who's that guy there wearing black? You know, like for uh, yeah, obviously getting into the games and stuff like that. It's pretty um, pretty 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 awesome. For sure. Yeah, look, you know, I mean, they, you know, at, at the time when I was racing, you know, for sure, um, you know, the African countries were, you know, were, the, uh, were the powerhouses. And, um, and to be honest, once you got to the Olympics, um, then uh, you only had to come up against against three, three from each country. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. 
I tell you what, I've been in road races where um, where the where the prize money goes down to the down to the top fifteen, and you can guarantee there'll be sixteen or seventeen uh, Kenyan. In those uh, early days of mount, you're like mountain running in Europe. Um, was it was it the opposite? Was it um, like I know how strong New Zealand is, like. In the mountain running I've done, if you see some Kiwis on the start list, you know you're in for a, a hard race. Um, but when you first started racing in Europe, like it would have been very European, like uh, not so much even the Americans. Um, was that the case? Yeah, yeah, very, very much so. Um, yeah, mountain running is really um, is really centered in Europe. Uh, um, there were interestingly enough, there was often um, often US uh, USA runners. Coming to do mountain races, um, they would come over for you know, for a month or six week kind of tour and, and, and do a bunch of races. So that, that was quite common back then. Um, but you're right, you know. Other than that, the main countries were the Italians, um, always been very very strong, and then um, and then good runners from the UK, um, and then for for uphill running, then then there'd be some good German Austrian Austrian runners there and and, and Swiss runners as well. But um, yeah, very, very much European, and really only, um, I guess, after I've been mountain running, you know, I guess, to the, up to the mid-2000s, um, you know, 2005, 2006, there'd be, there'd always be a few African runners there, but um, not not the numbers, uh, um, and then it was only sort of beyond 2006, 7, 8, that um, there were actually dedicated um, African um, mountain running groups that, that were formed, for example, one uh, one very strong group in, in Austria um, that would do, do a lot of the mountain races. So, um, so that that sort of that sort of transition happened while I was still racing. So certainly, uh, would have um, like in in cycling, a, a couple of Australians went over to to Europe in the early '80s and did, and they did well, like Phil Anderson. So uh, it put sort of Australia on the on the map. Um, you certainly did that for the New Zealand in mountain running by, uh, like you know, by winning the world champs. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We had, you know, we've got a good, um, you know, got a, got a good history um, in terms of you know, having the, having the country's success. And uh, um, I, I guess I was, I wouldn't say I was the I was the pioneer by any means. There are there are actually quite a few Kiwis that were going over and doing the world champs before before I got there and they were really the reason that I got into it because they were they were they were the ones encouraging me to um, you know to give it a crack. And um, and then when I sort of started there was also Melissa Moon. So on the woman's side she was um, she was also winning winning the world championship. So um, you know, between the two of us and then we're able to generate, you know, good enthusiasm that um, you know they're basically New Zealand's top cross-country runners all wanted to take part in the, in the world mountain running camps as well. So, so we had good teams away. And, and, and one of my real highlights was, was winning a team medal in, in 2000 in, in Germany, you know, you know being on the, on the podium with, you know, with, with fellow Kiwis, that was, you know, that, that was a huge highlight, you know, besides my own, you know, own successes. So, you know, being able to help, help, uh, help, help kind of bring in a, a team medal was, was uh, yeah, and I mean, you still have that connection with, with the country, don't you? Obviously, I know from your um, you, you're coaching, you, you, you're training a lot of Kiwi athletes there. And, and yeah, I know, uh, yeah, we've, we've, we've chatted about all the Kiwis you, you're working with. And uh, oh, I must admit, they're, they're blessed 
your country with, with such an awesome uh, role model and coach to guide them through. And there's some, there's definitely some strong Kiwi runners uh, that are doing extremely well in, in, in the world of mountain running. So uh, hats off to you there, Jono, for, uh, for training these uh, fine athletes. Bad though, we want Australians up there, you know, so yeah. <laughs> So oh, you've yeah, got a few, few, few top Aussie trail and mountain runners that are, uh, that are doing, doing pretty well on the world stage. And um, I, I think in general, you know, both of our countries do, uh, you know, kind of punch above above our weights in terms of international uh, off-road running. Um, you know, it's, um, you know we, we all know that, um, you know, that, that, that to have, you know, top success, you've got to get away and travel. And you've got to spend, uh, you've got to commit to spending you know, a significant amount of time you know, away overseas. So, um, you know, the people that do leave Australia and New Zealand and, 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 and get out and do the sport are, um, are obviously pretty, pretty committed individuals. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, this 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 couple of years that we're facing with is going to be a bit of a, a bit of a pain for that for that I suppose that development. Um, I, I guess obviously. There's the, the mountains. Obviously, we haven't really got them in Australia. We've got a few bumps down uh, Aaron's uh, neck of the woods. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, oh, there's a couple of hills, yeah. Um, and then, uh, and, uh, <laughs> but New Zealand's got the, it's got the obviously got the, got the mountains. Um, but I suppose the competition or the, the depth of the field's not there. So that's, I mean, I know I've been to a couple of these Italian races, like, you know, uh, Lavarito uh, and Cortina, and you, and you rock up on the start line going, ah. Oh, yeah, I'm going to show these show these Europeans what these Aussies can do. No way! Like you're just like <laughs> just like even grand grandmas are beating you. They are so just. It's in their DNA, isn't it? Like they just they live in the mountains. They just got that mountain I don't know mountain blood or, or something that does it. And and I just they, oh, they got an unfair advantage. I think living in those mountains. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. So so yeah, with, the, with lack of travel, obviously it's going to slow up a little bit of um, you know that that. I suppose mountain skills for a lot of us non-Europeans. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's right. You know, things are things are going to take quite some time to get. You know, let, let's you know, let's not talk about getting back to normal, but um, you know, to to improve in terms of you know, being able to um, you know, stand alongside your fellow competitors on on a start line, for example. You know, in, in big yeah. events, that's going to take um, quite some time to get. All right. So you, you you see that as like we're going to go through a, a phase of this year if it all starts happening and uh, yeah no I mean I'm I mean uh, yeah we all we all want it to happen don't we like just go back to what we call normal like I mean our big race here in is in May which is the Ultra Trail Australia and what something like three thousand runners rock up to that event and you just can't see that happening in in what it used to do you know you know all crammed at the start line even though it was started in waves i just you know as um as a as a mass participation sport it's a bit challenging but yeah is that is that something as well in, in europe you think that everyone's going to be it's going to be staggered starts and all distance starts and it's going to rely a bit more on timing rather than than you know first cross the line that kind of thing or yeah, yeah, it, 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 will, it will. There'll be there'll be a lot of sort of time trial kind of um, yeah. kind of elements and and using using a dedicated app to you know to track your your performance and um, exactly like you say, just having small small start uh, start lines and you know, coming back to you to what you said, you know, the Labrador Ultra Trail, you know, when you when you're standing there watching the start of a race like that and saying, oh, how fantastic is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. uh, those sorts of emotions that you get, um, that, that's something that's going to take a bit longer to come back. But um, but look, you know, we have to be thankful for, for what we can, you know, what we're able to do. And, and if we can get out um, this year and, and actually, you know, do some competitions, and um, I think that's, you know, that's a good, good positive step towards um, mm. being able to race again. Yeah, I mean, we saw it with cycling, obviously, uh, last year. That obviously, they had the events, the major events and stuff like that. And it's a little bit different, obviously. It's a professional sport where we're talking about amateur sports. So it, it is a little bit more easier to, how do you say, control in the in the bubble and, and, and still involve spectators. I mean, I know um, some of the classics, obviously, up in, in Belgium were, were like were spectator-free. I mean, they're massive events. So, yeah, that, I mean, that's the, the new reality a little bit, I guess. With, with all sporting events, and I gather like something like Lavarito, Ultra Trial, you won't have that party line atmosphere, will you? Like it'd be it'd be a different sort of environment. It'd only be um, I, I'm assuming that only the locals would be allowed to watch it, and and everybody else that that's competing will be sort of like having to social distance, which is a which is a pity. But but in in a sense, it's great that the event can still go ahead. But yeah, what what is the do you know if Lavarito is happening this year, Jono? Is that is it is it is it wanting to go ahead? I'm assuming that. Well, I know I know they'll be wanting to wanting to make it happen, and, and obviously uh, last year being cancelled, um, you know I think they didn't have enough time to sort of react to the situation. So, um, so this year you know they'll they'll be able to put in place mechanisms that will allow it to happen um, based on whatever the restrictions are. Because for example, at the moment um, here in Italy we're not allowed to travel outside of our particular province. So. Um, so I'm living here in the province of Provincia di Trento, province of Trento. So Trento is the main uh, city in our in our little area, and um, and nobody in this area is allowed to look to to go out into another province in Italy. So um, if, if those restrictions are still in place for an event like Lavaredo, which is so heavily reliant on on international participation. Mm. Uh, it won't look anything like um, the event that it normally is, but um, but I'm sure they'll want to have you know to have the continuation of of the event itself to you know, to, to to be to be present and to be active and to kind of say you know we're not you know, we're we're not going to lie down and die. I think that's you know there's a real uh, there's a real will to you know to you know, to, to keep being active and keep uh, being able to uh, to do our sport, but um, doing it in as as safe a way as possible. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, I think that's what's going to happen here in Australia as well. We're sort of stuck in our regions, our states, and I think even things like um, Ultra Trail Australia won't have that international impact. Or we might have a few Kiwis come over and and, um, and run in it, yeah, which they can do. I think they have to quarantine to go back though, so that's a big commitment for them. Um, but yeah, even I mean, we like, like you're saying. I mean, you're you're lucky. You're, that's actually quite a good region to be stuck in there, John. I wouldn't wouldn't have thought. You know, that's uh, not a bad one to be uh, stuck in. For all those listeners and viewers out there, it's the top part of Italy in the Dolomites. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a, it's a changing world. Um, yeah, so hopefully it will, will, will work. But uh, yeah, oh bummer, we can't make it, Aaron. This year's Lavarito. I, I had my ticket booked, Jono. Jeez, I can't believe it. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh well, it's an event I've been trying to get to for years. So it's. Uh, Last year was supposed to be the year. Like I was, I was all locked in, and um, yeah, to, so to think that it didn't happen, and then maybe not again this year is, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, I'm missing Italy the most, but I'm, uh, you know, it's certainly Lavaredo is part of it. 
my plan when I do return to Italy. So um, let's hope, hope this year, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, well, I, 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 I can, I can understand because um, for the, for the, for the listeners out there, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Aaron on, and there's a, there's a book um, behind him, which is um, the Lonely Planet's Guide to Italy. So obviously it's pretty high on his, <laughs> high on his agenda to get back there. <laughs> Oh, no, that's showing his age, Jono, that no one uses those books anymore. We all use apps. On <laughs> No, I'm old school. And I've, been, I've been learning Italian, so I think the pandemic is, um, you know, I need a few, maybe I do need a few more years with my Italian before I, um, before I come back, or I should stop telling people that so that I can just surprise them with, you know, a little bit more rather than, yeah, it's tough. I'm, uh, I'm doing my best, but um, yeah, I think I, I just need some time in Italy, really. All right, Jono, you can you can converse in Italian there. Well, I bring up a awesome little uh, little um, bit of um, a trip down memory lane for you there, Jono. So just bear with me. I'll try and bring up the video. We'll watch the video and then you have a chat about that. Runners gathered in Auckland again for the New Zealand Ride Champs. World class performances were expected. Most interest centred on the men's event. Well, I think he's, he's very strong. Um, there's a couple of good, really good runners in there. We've got Dale Warren there, who um, is just coming back from injury, and I think he'll go very well today. Uh, plus uh, Jonathan Wyatt, who's uh, also coming back to form. And there's also some very other good, some other very good runners coming through there. So I think we're in for a very good race on the course. Here. By the start of the men's race, the rain had eased away. The runners now had to contend with a steady wind that would be in their faces along the back of the course. Right from the start, the favourites formed a tight group at the front of the 50-strong field. The local team runners had a distinct advantage, having run this four-lap course a month previously, with Lindale's Paul Amy taking the Auckland title. Otago's Alan Carmen did most of the work at the head of the leading bunch, while race favourite, Wellington's Jonathan Wyatt, sheltered behind his teammate, John Henwood. Defending champion Dale Warrender of Auckland remained in contact. It was clear from the outset that the pace would be a lot hotter than it was in the Auckland Championships. Local champion Paul Amy started to lose contact before the end of the first lap. The pace appears deceptive. These runners are making close to four-minute miles. Wyatt, a New Zealand representative at the Edmonton Commonwealth Games over 5,000 metres, remained sheltered in third. Wyatt made his break on the third lap. Working very hard, he steadily increased his lead to win in the world-class time of 28 minutes, 52 seconds. I mean, I hit pretty hard on that last lap. I knew that Dale would be strong. Uh, so, yeah, I was working all the way, right? Yeah. Oh, excellent. A trip down memory lane there. Uh, what, that, what you, that was 95, I think. So that was, oh, well, <laughs> quite oh, a while ago. Yeah. Yeah, I had, had, had short hair back then, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like your strategic uh, drafting there of your uh, your taller running uh, teammate. Was that a plan? Yeah, just sit behind him. He was massive. You were this small guy, and you out easy. Then that was it. Game over. Just laid down the hammer on the last lap and left him all for dead. 
<laughs> I do remember it was it was a windy day. Um, yeah, um, I think I think it's been one of my strengths over the years has been you know, using my head as much as anything, um, not not doing any more than you have to. But as I recall, um, the leader there was Alan Carmen, and um, who was who was setting the early pace, and he was he was an Australian as far as I remember. So, um, oh, what yeah, was he doing over there? Oh, was he be like Sam Neill? You know that, or um, what's that crowd of the house band that's Australian, but they pose as Kiwis, split ends, and all that kind of thing. <laughs> so that kind of thing. <laughs> I think that's um, for me. We're we're uh, we're the same age, Jono. Uh, you've you've accomplished a bit more athletically than I have in uh, in the same time. But uh, when I when I was doing track and road, and yeah, getting into mountain running as well. Um, and first started following the the world scene. I, I always did well, like in in mountain races or hilly races. And then when I, you know, when I sort of discovered the European scene and started following that, I think that's what surprised me most was how how fast you guys were. Like you're, you know, you're all the top guys and were sub thirty minute ten k runners, which I wasn't. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that that to me it said, well, regardless of the the course it's that that the engine is is super important and you know if you haven't got that real that real high-end engine um yeah you can do well you can still race and you can um pursue it but yeah you guys were that that next level up it was um yeah 28 what was that 2853 on a wet windy course in new zealand uh yeah that's impressive <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure it's a legit team. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I had a, you know, looking back at my career, there was a kind of like a, a sweet spot, and um, and it was sort of, you know, when I I spent so many years of, of 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 doing, you know, cross country, track and field, road racing, um, so I sort of had the speed component, and then I I started doing the mountain running and you know, developing the strength side of it, but I still had the speed component to kind of draw on as well um, so there was definitely you know six or seven years of you know first years of mountain running where um, you know, my strength was really the fact that you know when it when it, um, I, I could hang with the top guys on the, on the steep part but I could also run away from them on the, on the flatter parts now now um, as my career went on it, it, it went completely the other direction where um, where I was uh, you know, I, I couldn't I couldn't keep up on the on the flat or faster, but with the, with the younger runners coming through, but you know I still had the had the strength to draw on for the for the steeper section. So cool. interesting how the how how your how your strengths and weaknesses kind of you know, develop through through the career. Yeah, and I suppose is that like something yeah for an up up and coming runner like a trial runner or something like that. You you would encourage them to obviously work on their speed and their track and their their flat. You know that height. You know, getting the legs spinning is that something that you think is definitely an advantage for? Um, I mean, even uh, you know, recreation runners, I guess, that are just out there. If you've got, if you've got that 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 more speed in the tank um, on the flats, on the uh, that will help you through uh, the racing sort of environment as well. Is that something you'd you'd highly recommend that up and coming uh, athletes would would sort of like mimic or follow in your your footsteps in that respect? Yeah, that's no, a it's a really good point, and I, I, I absolutely you know and, and encourage it, to, and, and especially a, a kind of a, a progression through a you know especially through a young athlete's career where um, you know I think there might be a, a more of a tendency today in terms of the popularity of trail running for runners to you know to, to switch up and move up distances you know from quite a young age, but 
um, I, I really got a, a lot of benefit from, from from concentrating on the shorter distances when I was younger, and then just you know year by year uh, moving up to to longer distances and developing strength. So, um, you know, look, um, you know, doing speed work, um, especially for a, for a club runner, for example, is is is, is really valuable because um, you know you're developing your anaerobic system, and um, and to be honest, when when you start doing a race uh, and, you've, and you've done some uh, some some work where you've been running much faster in training, uh, once you get into the race situation, uh, you actually automatically feel more comfortable with, with the pace uh, as well. So yeah. it gives you a greater range. Hey, yeah, just a, um, a sort of funny trend in Australia, like obviously follow, uh, follow the running scene. Um, we're seeing the reverse now, like a lot of adults who have come from other sports do trail running and uh, and then like you said, they've sort of progressed through to ultra running and now they're doing the reverse where they're, they're coming back down the distances and they're discovering road running and they're discovering track running. And it's it, like, for me, it's really strange because having come through, I guess, the traditional path um, that they're like, you know, so they've run 5Ks, but they're like excited to run like a 5K on the track and you're like, ah. Oh, You've never done one, and they're like, "No, no, I started running when I was, you know, thirty something, and I've um, done this." And they've done ultras, they've done some great, great events, but then they're discovering um, road running and track running. Uh, it'll help, it'll help their running, but yeah, it's definitely a, a big change. Um, and yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm the same. I you sort of progress through, and you find your happy distance or your, your happy time or whatever. But um, you know, having done a, a bit of everything, um, you know what you love, and for me, yeah going up uphill so um yeah i think it's great that you've you've had that yeah wide ranging career where you've um, been able to do that now now i've got some i've got some footage here jono before i forget um shopping center running now what's with that i, I i've seen some like watch the video and you can talk to you get it's a new discipline i believe What was going on there? Like shopping center running. Is this a new discipline there in the world of uh, of uh, running in Europe? Uh... Yeah, well, your your, your research skills are, are, are very impressive there, Matt. I'm uh, <laughs> <laughs> super impressed. Yeah, hey, uh, that's you know, something a bit different, I think. Um, I'll th uh, tell you why. Because um, the the main sponsor is uh, was the uh, was a decathlon store that we finished outside of. <laughs> so oh, right. okay, yeah. No, uh, for, for the listeners and the viewers, they do go outside. I did see it looked like a very wet day, and there was people running. It looked like it looked like you were running through orchards or something. It looked horrible. So, uh, it, was, it, was, it was hilarious. It was, um, you know, it's actually a really fun race. It's always at the end of the year, uh, end of the season as well. So, um, yeah, look, uh, it's uh, they, they call it the Euro Marathon, but um, I think the distance is around 25k. So, yeah, go go figure. Um, but you, the race itself is super, super nice. You start in Slovenia, and you follow the old border, uh, essentially between you know, what was Yugoslavia and uh, and Italy. Oh, cool. um, and 
crisscrossing back and forth across the border, so up and down. And um, and yeah, you, uh, you finish um, you, you finish in the, in the shopping centre, and it's hilarious because uh, the people are just going about their normal normal shopping, <laughs> and you come come barreling down the down the straight here, and uh, and you're absolutely right that um, those um, those glossy tiles are. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, nightmare. Just remember, you know, you're walking on, on a normal day when it's a bit rainy outside and you, you end up on your backside. Don't you? I imagine like coming in at full power. Like there wasn't a bit of a ding dong there for the winner. Like that'd have been a bit, bit, bit hardcore, wouldn't it? Like sprint to the line. It's oh, like there, the, there, uh... there some sprint for sure. And, uh, and I mean, you should see the mess that they, that we all leave afterwards. <laughs> It's like that saying, uh, you know, in a shopping centre, like, run like you stole something. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, I, I tell you, it was, uh, it, it was a bit like that because, um, you know, literally people, you know, are just uh, oblivious to uh, that there's, a, there's a, a running or racing event going on. So you literally, you know, you literally do have to watch out and, and, and do the old... Um, do the old uh, rugby sidestep to, to, to oh. the old, <laughs> yeah, yeah, some, some elderly uh, customer there. <laughs> now, now for those that uh, don't know you that, Jonathan, I saw your partner in crime there cashing in as well. Did you go to these events with Antonella and uh, sort of clean up the, the prices? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there was one year where we, where we, I don't think we both won in a single year. We have both won the race, but I can't remember if we both won on the same year or not, to be honest. Um, um, could, could, could well have done. Uh, she's won the race more times than I have, put it that way. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, for you, for you folks that don't know, Jonathan's wife, Antonella, is a bronze medalist, wasn't she, in, uh, was it, um, with, um, um, it's Italian Olympics? Uh, Torino, Torino, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Olympic. So, uh, and obviously, you're a, a father now. How old's Dorothy these days? She must be getting on. She must be at school by now, isn't she? Not quite, but no. <laughs> no. Look, Dorothy's coming up to two years old, and um, you know, for the uh, lucky for us, I think, and also for her with the uh, with the situation that's going on now, you know, she doesn't really miss um, you know, miss things going on around her. She doesn't doesn't miss anything. Whereas um, it's been pretty hard for um, for young teenagers, for for example, that yeah, are locked locked inside, you know. And um, I mean, that's that's where you know, living here in the mountains and 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 being involved in sport really helps because you know there's a there's an outlet where you can um, you, know, you can get away from things and uh, you know and put your energy into something. Um, yeah. Whereas so many people have had their sort of activities a little bit um, you know, sidelined. Yeah. Like, I mean, for, for people who don't know where you live, like, basically, the forest is on your door. So you can, you know, literally 100 metres and you're, you're up into the forest and into the mountains, aren't you? And you won't see anyone, except for maybe a, a lone hunter or a, or, a, or, a, or a lumberjack or something like that. So, uh, yeah. Wow, there was, there, was a, there was a period back in, um, back around April, uh, April, May, where um, we literally weren't allowed to go outside of our houses. And... Um, I have to admit, there are a few times where I did um, duck out and, and do a bit of a sprint into the forest and uh, <laughs> and, and, and run on the run on the tracks where um, where there was no chance of uh, of, of, of meeting a, a forest ranger or oh, okay, anybody yeah. that would uh, yeah. that would uh, uh, that would that would turn me and put me in jail for a 
Yeah, um, well, you, could, you could always put on your thick Kiwi accent there, couldn't you? And, and try and get away with it. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Complete ignorance. You know, just, uh, the, the problem is, you know, that living in a small valley, everybody knows everybody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm Jono's twin brother, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I think that was my first uh, seeing some of the Italian athletes I know, like, you know, running up and down their stairs and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's. Yeah, like I was, uh, you know, you're aware of what was going on, but when you see, you, you sort of know those guys and girls love to get out, they run, they ski, they ride, and um, you thought, oh, man, how would I handle that? Uh, I've got a small house too, a small yard, so uh, it would have been pretty intense for me. It never got to that point, but, yeah, well, we were definitely feeling for you, for you guys in Italy with um, when that really first first hit. Yeah, there were there, there were some some super interesting stories, of course. You know, like competitive athletes are always competitive, and uh, and uh, and I think you know using using the technology we have available to us, um, there are plenty of uh, plenty of pretty um pretty weird Strava tracks um, that have that <laughs> <laughs> of houses. And, uh, one of one of our team athletes, um, Christian Modena, he did um, five thousand meters of vertical elevation uh, up and down the stairs. Yeah, I didn't and, see that one. Oh, <laughs> Oh, you got nuts! <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit better for the climbers to at least get on the home woody or you know do some uh, get on the hangboard and so on. Sprayboard, yeah. there, Aaron. Got to get with the modern terms. Sprayboard. Oh, sprayboard. Okay, Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, jeez, yeah, the old school there. Yeah, and and I suppose obviously our connection with you, Jonathan. Besides being a Kiwi, and obviously we love your running, there's obviously that connection with with La Sportiva, and and you've 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 lived in them obviously in Ziano for quite some time now. How many years have you lived in Ziano? Yeah, it'd be more than more than twelve um, in total. So always um, you know, looked over the fence a little bit and seeing what um, what my um, what my neighbours are up to, which um, uh, the, the neighbours for us here is, is La Sportiva and yeah, the factory. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, we yeah. live we live about um, oh, you're lucky if it's ten minutes walk away from the factory, uh, which is which is very 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 handy and very um, you know, very lucky to uh, to have that sort of um, commute to work. Yeah, yeah, you can you sleep in, can't you? That's quite good. I know they're very they're very they're hard workers down there. I know. Now, before obviously before moving to last sports, have you had uh, like a, a bit of time with um, the I suppose a competitor in in the name of Salomon? Now I've got some awesome footage here that I just want to bring up. This year, I really want to go back and do some longer races. I want to get back into some mountain marathons. Uh, they have some really nice uh, mountain marathon races in Switzerland. Uh, so they have a series of free races and uh, my plan is to go back and, uh, and have, a, have a crack at those again. There's a fantastic, uh, fantastic team, fantastic family and uh, yeah, for me it's just uh, a real pleasure to be a part of it. Were you contractually obliged to wear lycra, white lycra shorts for Salomon? <laughs> It seemed to be a fad back there with all the all the crew. You anticipated my 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 first response was uh, yeah, you've got to be pretty committed to your sponsor to be white tights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like hats off to Salomon at work. I mean, every man in their dog was wearing a full white outfit there for a while, weren't they? It was just like you know, yeah, yeah, Killian wearing it, Jono wearing it. Oh man, I've got to wear this stuff. It makes me go faster. So uh, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Well, I've uh, I've done road 
road racing on the bike. Uh, so I know like her, but I, I, I'm, I have never done it for the for running. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but you know, I don't know. Yeah, if the fever brings it out, and maybe uh, you know, uh, uh, yellow yellow uh, tights, maybe I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got to draw the line somewhere. But yeah, like like colored like, like males, uh, uh, like her is, um, it's 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 definitely a more a European flavor. I would I would say. <laughs> yeah, it, it looked like something out of the twenties, you know, like fish, uh, like swimming costumes from the nineteen twenties or something. You know, go to the beach. All they, all they were missing was the, uh, you know, the umbrellas and stuff like that. It was, it was a pretty, a pretty cool sort of fashion for sure. Oh, just, uh, yeah, just it was quite funny to find that little retro footage. Of it. So, for the listeners, yeah, obviously, you spent a bit of time there at, at Salomon, and and how was the journey from uh, from Ziano to Annecy? That's a bit of a hike, a daily commute there for for you. To be, to be obviously a sponsored athlete and working for Salomon was that a was that a bit of a mission for you at that time or was it a good challenge? Yeah, look, um, yeah, the way, the way it sort of progressed, um, you know, and to be honest, I haven't had that many um, uh, that many shoe sponsors over over my whole career. So um, you know, in the early days, I had uh, more than fifteen years with with Nike, um, yeah. so I went, went through you know really from school um, and all the way up through through the Olympic Games with them. And, um, and it was really just as I started doing more off-road stuff, more mountain running, um, that, um, that the, the fit with Nike was, was still good, but um, you know, the decision that I made was that I was spending more and more time overseas and it was, um, it was time I, 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 I moved on. So I um, had a year with Innovate, actually, um, oh, just okay. yep. one year in, in between. And, um, and that was fun because at the time it was a brand new company and there were four people working in the whole company and and um, and we just sit around the table together and, and talk about our shoot basically. It was good, yeah. it was good, good fun, very, very enthusiastic owner. And then, um, and then yeah, the year after I, uh, I moved to Salomon and, and that was really due to the amount of racing I was doing in Austria um, on the mountain racing series over there and got to know the um, uh, group at Salomon Austria and, um, and, and and joined them so yeah it was um and they, and they honored you a pair of white lycra shorts and said come on John join the team <laughs> <laughs> yeah for, uh, yeah yeah kind of yeah like this, uh, <laughs> I went a bit like that but um, <laughs> now the Austrians went went into the white white lycra actually it was it was French um it was definitely the French influence <laughs> So when you went to Annecy, they handed you the the lycra shorts. <laughs> Put these on. Yeah. Yeah. Look. Um, yeah. That that uh, that white lycra went through a few phases. Um, but um, I'll let you into a secret. It was never never popular with the athletes themselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I imagine obviously uh, the ultra runners, and I know sometimes you can have a little bit of an accident with too much gels or something like that. So <laughs> we have seen it with the running. So and and the worst thing I think about white lycra is if you sit down, it, obviously in in dirt, and then you get up. Does look like you've actually left something down there, doesn't it? So yeah, I can understand why <laughs> why it's not a popular. It should be only worn for cricket and uh, croquet, I dare say, and what other uh, tennis maybe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let, let you into another, another secret. Um, Killian absolutely hated them, and he was the one who had. He was around. We managed to escape from them uh, before before he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You heard it first on high friction max traction. No, no, it's. Uh, I was yeah, going mean, to say it's. Uh, it's you know if you're winning races and stuff, you can kind of get away with it. But, uh, <laughs> 
um, yeah, that's interesting with, um, you know, yeah, Killian's um, would have used funny images getting around of him in those pants as well. Yeah. Oh, is that classic, I think there's a classic yeah. video of him when he's running through, um, oh, is it like a, it looks like a quarry or some sort of sand thing and he's like head to toe in the white gear and he's just like getting covered in dirt. I mean, it's awesomely shot, really inspirational sort of running uh, footage. But he's just thinking, yeah, I don't know if that kit's going to last much longer after that shoot. You know, like it's just like it's going to turn black. <laughs> so, uh, no, no, it's pretty cool. No, no. The, uh, the Salomon to Las Pativa part. Well, how'd that all happen? Yeah, yeah sure. Um, so, 10 years with Salomon in total. And, um, you know, there, there, was a, there was a kind of transition through my career. So, um, you know, when I arrived, I was 100% um, yeah, uh, sponsored athlete. And, and that was sort of my focus at the time. And, um, but as, as, as the years went on, um, um, yeah, got a bit more involved in terms of um, you know, working on a little bit of product with them, working with the young uh, young runners coming up in the team, um, and just doing different kind of projects for Salomon. So um, it was nice to sort of you know be able to evolve my my career um, yeah. while, while I was with them. Um, but yeah, um, towards the end of it, um, you know, really felt that. Um, my my value to to them um, maybe wasn't um, you know wasn't feeling that I was um, that I was useful um, for, for what direction that they wanted to go in and um, I actually had had a conversation um, with uh, Lorenzo Deladio from uh, the president of La Sportiva uh, even even a couple of years before that um, and you know he just said at the time you know we'd, we'd actually always meet at this this charity event uh, in, in um, in the winter every every year and um, Las Portiva was, was sponsoring the event and um, and Lorenzo would um, would rock up um, with, with a bunch of his mates and and um, you know, I'm, I'm making a long story out of this sorry but uh, but uh, yeah it was a it was it was a it was just a fun charity thing where we'd you know, run around on either skis snowshoes or or or, or whatever or whatever implement you wanted and um, and um, a couple of times, he, you know, he always, always just said to me, "Look, you know, whenever you're ready, um, you know, there'll be there a job for you here at Las Portiva because, um, you know, what what Las Portiva had, had done for a number of years is have a um, a product specialist in, in the climbing area, and um, and that was Pietro Del Far, and he's um, yeah, he's quite a legend and an international climber, and 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 he works." really as a link between uh, the community and uh, and the brand and um and lorenzo you know, sort of had the vision that, that i could uh, i could fulfill that role uh, on, on the running, running discipline and um you know when as soon as i came in uh, and, and started uh, and started with las Portivo, one thing that really struck me that i hadn't really i guess i should have known but i hadn't really uh, hadn't really expected was was just how much of a family company that Last Four Fever is. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a private company. It's it's not, not publicly owned, um, so it's still owned by the Deladio family. And um, and uh, the next um, the next generation will be um, Julia Deladio who, who will take over the over the company. And um, she's um, just a couple of years younger than me, but um, it's it's so interesting that all the people. So many people that work in the office um, grew up with her, uh, went to school with her, you know, sort of known her for years and years, and and, and the same with the older people that um, that sort of grew up with Lorenzo. That um, there's a real sort of uh, 
know, community spirit within the company that, um, you know, that, that being based here in a small valley uh, was, was really, really evident for me uh, coming into it. Yeah, and, I think um, that, that, that's a good point there, John. Even me being, uh, you know, obviously I work for, for the company as the representative here in Australia, but that's the first thing you, you get when the, the first sales meeting that you ever go to is that family community and and uh, and the more you talk to all the all the staff, you, you realise like, wait a sec, these guys are a big family. They're, I mean, literally, they are related to each other. A lot of them, and it's, it's such a community. Oh, it's so it's it's refreshing to see. You're not there at a some corporate sales meeting here. There's, you know, it, it's a real family environment for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have a, I have a funny story where well, you know, it's kind of a story, but um, we're um. Uh, Julia's uh, Julia's wife Sandro, um, who's um, wife Julia's husband. Yeah, I was going to say husband Sandro. Was he was he was talking to, to to one of his colleagues and um, he sounds a bit familiar with her, you know. It sounds a bit too this young lady and then you know it turns out that it was um it was a sister so there's oh, oh, Serena yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the family connections all, all through the company I'm like oh god you know yeah well you've got you got the whole family and design team you know and like I, I didn't realize that you know that's been passed down from generations from fathers to sons and and that's right yeah yeah and and so, yeah, it's it's awesome to see that connection, how that 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 lives through the through the through the business, and there's that sense of it being passed down from generation to generation, which which yeah, can yeah. be lost a lot, can it? Yeah. Yeah, and, and look, you know, the decision to keep a lot of the production um, you know, here in the valley in Italy, and and to you know, provide work for, for local families, um, you know, is not really um, definitely not a not a financial decision, put it put it that way. You know, no, no. Um, it's a very expensive place to actually do business in Italy, isn't it? Up in up in in uh, at yeah. Trentino, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's cool. Right. Yeah, cool. So I suppose you're coming on board, and we can talk. We can talk about this little product here. This was sort of your first sort of product in the in the stable of La Sportiva. Was that was the Cat Tiva, and obviously, like I, I I've known the range for a little bit, and and we could we as you know coming into this could see a definite change on this shoe and and, we, and maybe speak to that jonathan and 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 this was something that you started to to influence i suppose the the direction of, of some of the shoe design there with last TV is it with that with that captiva model yeah yeah that was that was definitely the first shoe that jay sort of was involved with from you know, from concept through to um through the final product so, um so yeah, my you know my, my background also is I've studied architecture and and, and worked a little bit um, in, in architecture firms. Got a very you know, very strong interest in design and product design as well. So um, my my passion of, of running uh, combined with that and, and being able to work on um, on, on running shoes and, and running apparel um, really for me is a, is quite a dream job and. And of course, um, you know, I can I can log some hours out in the forest and the mountains as well, and, and call them testing. <laughs> so um, so yeah, I've really really enjoyed the whole process, and, and it's a very small team um, that works uh, through the through the running shoe development in, in the office, and um, and so you know we can just go in and have you know have conversations and concepts and and have a sort of a, a back and forth. Um, and be 
quite reactive and, and make changes very quickly to um, to shoes. So I know, yeah. for example, on Captiva, we had um, there were there were there was, I think between 20. I can't remember the exact number, but between 22 and, and 24 um, kind of prototype kind of phases, oh, wow. different versions of that shoe before coming out. out coming out, yeah. It's amazing when I hear the when the climbing guys, you know, when they talk about their prototypes, and I remember one shoe they described as something like had a hundred different prototypes before they made the final, final uh, the shoe. And so that, that's that. I mean, that's an insight that probably you know consumers or people on the street don't don't actually un, don't know, you know, like how much R and D and development goes into the this product. And and I think that La Sportiva, with with people like yourself, in touch with the, the, that that sort of that connection between the athlete to the design team. Can make those those things happen and end up with a fantastic product. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, so I, I, I organize also all of the testing and you know, um, and we have quite a strong and quite comprehensive um, number of, 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 of team runners, um, sponsored runners, uh, and also uh, local runners in the valley as well, or 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 around the place, which I can draw on to um, to help me me test the shoes as well because. It's all very well me using a shoe and and, and liking it, um, yeah. but yet uh, every 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 foot is different, and so um, so we do you know, we do a, a quite a comprehensive testing phase, and and a shoe like the Captiva, um, which is very um, very performance orientated, very lightweight, very very fast running uh, off road running shoe, um, we we got a lot of help out uh, from from the team runners as well through the yeah. testing phase. Yeah, and in saying that, that, that's not the shoe for everyone. I mean, obviously, what you're saying is that you get a lot of people from different sort of backgrounds to test your shoes. Um, and, and so I suppose that I can segue to the, the like this year's new model is something like the uh, the you know the caracal, which obviously is is and I'm 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 guessing that you've had a big influence in this. Um, yeah, obviously that's a bit more of a general sort of shoe, and 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 I think. Maybe you can you can talk talk about that to, to everyone. We're giving everyone a bit of a quick insight to it there. Exactly. <laughs> so, so the the backstory on the Caracal is the year before that we launched the the Jackal shoe, and um, that, that that shoe is our. There <laughs> uh, we go. Good. <laughs> He's onto it. So we have um, with, with the Jackal, it was our high performance uh, ultra running uh, offering. So we wanted to also make a, another shoe which would be very similar to the Jackal in terms of its cushioning characteristics, um, but also be even even more breathable, even lighter. Uh, that would work as well as a as a really good good off road training shoe. But also, it's such a comfortable shoe. It's it's basically a shoe you can just wear uh, wear for relax as well. So, oh, we're um, drinking coffee in at the at the local <laughs> cafe. Oh, right. Might yeah, forget myself a bit. What's that? As long as you like the colour. <laughs> oh, yeah, very nice. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very good. Yeah, so, yeah, so obviously yeah. for the, for the listeners and viewers out there, they should be rocking up in Australia this year. Um, yeah, it depends on uh, yeah. There's obviously a bit of supply problems with boats more than anything. So yeah, they're on uh, they're on their way. So hopefully yeah. they will be here. They'll be uh, rocking up in the next uh, few months, so yeah, we'll let you know when those come. But yeah, so so cool. Um, I suppose that, that's that's the key thing, isn't it, Jonathan? I mean, there's always you can always develop new shoes, you can always develop new product, and it's I suppose it, it, 
you know, you go, okay, we want to shoot for this, we want to shoot for that, we want this, we want that. And and Lightsport TV just doesn't make trail running shoes. Obviously, they make like hiking shoes and they make boots and then they make climbing shoes. So, so I mean, I don't know how many, I, I lose count of how many models of, of, of footwear that Lightsport TV actually does produce and ski as well. I mean, that's a, a big thing as well. So you can sort of see the, the design team is, is um, quite extensive now from, from even my short sort of period with Las Plativa of uh, what, 12 years. Um, yeah, it's grown astronomically. It's, it's, oh, it's, it's so good to see. Yeah. And I think, I think anything, you know, any kind of, you know, mountain sports, you know, you'll find that Las Plativa has, a, has an interest in it. Mm. And um, I, think, I think it's so much, you know, it's so closely related to where we are working, um, where we're living and working. So when, we're all here in the in the Dolomite Mountains. Um, for example, uh, look outside now. We've got almost half a meter of snow on the ground. Um, best best uh, skiing conditions that we've we've had for, for years, I would say. And um, uh, and Las Portiva is, is obviously heavily involved in, in ski touring. So um, with the situation we have at the moment, uh, none of the ski fields are open. But um, until now, in, in small groups, uh, you're allowed to. Allowed to go, um, to go up and do, do ski touring. So, so, oh, so this yeah. is this is the, the schema you can actually um, skin up and, and and bomb down. Is that allowed? Is it? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's um, that's still possible to do even even in the situation we find ourselves. So, I mean, I, th I think trends in terms of you know being able to do practice sport in, in, in an autonomous uh, fashion will be will be. Will Will become even more more strong. Will be will become stronger and stronger over the next uh, the next period. And um, and, and in the last quarter we've we've definitely seen um, very nice, very good growth through last year in terms of um, in terms of the trail running shoes and hiking shoes um, being yeah, just just the desire for people to want to go out and uh, and, and get into nature and yeah and do, and do sport yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's you know that looks very, very pleasing, and and the last yeah. Portiva range, and, and, and you know, if I talk just about the running range in particular, um, you know, we we really offer everything um, from you know, uh, the the, the, sh the most specific kind of shoes possible in terms of running vertical kilometer races, or uh, or, or or having um, having a spiked shoe for, for snow and ice conditions, to um, to. To, to shoes which go all the way through the whole off-road running area where now we're offering a you know, comprehensive range in terms of ultra running shoes and and, and, and very comfortable and cushioned shoes so, yeah and, um, and 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 protective shoes as well i mean you, you're not scared to have a little bit of weight in some of the shoes you know to offer that more protection and stuff like that so yeah i mean that's any the, the, um yeah any apparel you can really be head to toe now like um one of the last, I guess, for most last Sportiva athletes, one of the last things was um, the pack, um, you know, to carry mandatory gear. And uh, yeah, so when last Sportiva brought one out a few years ago, um, that was exciting. And it, like, I, I was in Italy when I think um, at a few gatherings when you guys were uh, some of your athletes that you were, you know, talking to about the product and stuff. And it was really interesting to hear those those conversations or what I could understand in bits of Italian and English. Uh, I think George was pretty good uh, swapping to English for me. Um, yeah, just giving you feedback and just to know that that's such, such a huge part of the development of a product is really, really cool. Um, for uh, And that, yeah, like those those packs, the, the next edition, the next, there's always, always looking to improve. 
Yeah, that's right. You know, like it's, you know, it's a never-ending process, and um, you know, we get really nice, you know, really comprehensive feedback you know, on trends as well, also from our team athletes because they're, they're the ones at the coal face. You know, I, I don't race as much as I, I used to, um, if, uh, <laughs> obviously last year, um, but yeah, last 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 uh, I would say last five years I've done um, probably uh, you know, as, as many races as you can count on your on your hands. <laughs> so, well, there uh, must be some well, uh, nervous like world masters runners. Yeah, hoping you you don't start uh, signing up there because uh, that's a scary thought. Like I, I I've joked um you know that I'll make my comeback to masters uh, masters running. And you know, try to go down that path, and I uh, thought, oh, I don't want to see your name on the start list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I always say we, we're, we're a bit like a car, really. You know, we have a limited number of kilometres that we <laughs> that we get uh, that we're good for. And, uh, and and I started early, and, and you, Aaron, you started early as well. So, so it's when you, when you you made the comment about um, about these older runners coming you know, and, and wanting to run shorter and faster distances, it, it's totally because you know. Their introduction to the sport was through the longer distances and ultra runners, and and they're always looking for the next thing. So you know, the next thing yeah, for these yeah. people yeah, is to you know, push themselves and yeah. run faster. You know, yeah, it's yeah. measurable. But God, if, yeah. I, if I if I thought I could um, I could run a, a 10k PB uh, at, at this age, boy, I'd be out there training for it. <laughs> <laughs> Now talking about PBs and racing, hold up, I've got a I've got a photograph here, so just bear with us when I when I drag this one up if I can find it. Oh, he, it's it's a bit of an old one, Jono. So um, the black and white. Oh, <laughs> no, not quite, but it's not not far off. So I believe that was the was that the Jungfrau Marathon. You've got yeah, two thousand and three. Yeah. Um, oh, so was, was that the zero. special year? The special year. It was the year I broke the record, and um, I, it was my I would say two thousand three and two thousand four the two best years of running that I ever had. You know, you can say that looking looking back now, but definitely they were the years I had my best results. So for for the listeners and the viewers out there, two thousand three the uh, Jungfrau Marathon was uh, the record that you that you broke, and I think you raced it the year before, but it was shortened due to snow. Is that right? And then, uh, and then obviously you won that one, and well, that's what Wikipedia says anyway. Um, I mean, you make looks in your races, Matt. Um, no, I think that was that was another race. Was it? Sure. Oh, Wikipedia could be wrong then. I definitely listen. Uh, is it? <laughs> I think it's uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Sierra's an. Oh, see, so. there, I've got the wrong race. Oh, he, no. He's a climber, Jonathan. He, you know, he's got to go. He gives me a hard time when we talk to climbers. Yeah, uh, it's about with. <laughs> no. <laughs> And you take it like this, and you hold it down. No, no, much more about that kind of stuff. When you start mixing like numbers and letters together, boy, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, it's like another, another world, another language to me. That's for sure. Oh, no, it's easy. <laughs> Running simple. It's just left followed by the right, isn't it? Like, it's <laughs> no, that's obviously in 2003 and 2004. You had some killer years, and obviously the Jungfrau Marathon. You won, uh, you won that one, and that still holds. You still hold the record actually to this day, um, on, mm. on that one. So that oh, congratulations there. Uh, and then obviously 2004. Maybe Eric can tell us what was special about 2004. Well, uh, as in Athens Olympics for Jonathan. 
Oh, well, Athens and, and something. And, and what was that race? In, was that 2004, I believe? The one, the record that's just been beaten by some uh, guy? 2003, I think. It's 2003, again. Yeah, gonna come. Oh, my yeah, years. Yeah, numbers, so, numbers. Yeah, look, um, yeah, look, so that 03 year, yeah, I, I broke records in quite a few races in Switzerland, actually. So there was this year's and all, that was, that was, uh, that was 2003. And then the young crowd was also 2003. And ironically, the that Sears and Al record got a lot of traction because of um, because of Killian breaking it um, a couple of years ago, um, and it never been kind of got close to. Well, it actually had got close to a few times actually, and I always I never rated that record particularly highly because it was it was a year I was training for Jungfrau, so I didn't want to give a hundred percent on Sears and Al when I had Jungfrau coming up a few weeks later. <laughs> so you are you telling the audience here live on our podcast that you, you backed off on the last few kilometres on that once the race was won. You could have you could have <laughs> yeah. smashed that. Killian could still be searching for that record. Is that what you're telling the listener? Uh well that yeah, well that Sears and our record was um you know was, was definitely I would say slightly softer one and, and and by the number of minutes that Killian broke the record were kind of you know, suggests to me that yes, it, it, it wasn't a particularly hard record to break. It was just the fact that nobody had broken it for for, for the 15 years before, before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, well, I suppose um, it's, it's, I mean a trail race is, is slightly different isn't it? I mean, it definitely does depend on conditions of the of the day and it's not like a it's not like it's not the same track on it, it's all different conditions so there, there might have been some environmental factors that would have slowed people up is but or you just call yeah, it the world, you're calling the world soft Jonathan that's what it is I've got all the excuses in the book for that Sierra than our record I tell you you know it's because um it was it was it was an incredibly hot day. Um, oh, we, we we actually raced. We actually raced at a later time than what they what they raced uh, in the later years, um, and then um, they kept um, improving the track uh, all oh, yes. through that time. So the race got you know, the racetrack itself got smoother and smoother. <laughs> so theoretically, they should have been beating your time. Oh my lordy lord! Oh, yeah, it's a bit of a like. Yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's a hard with trial running like records because uh, you know I've done races where it's you know pouring rain and wet and muddy and someone will beat your time the next year in perfect conditions and you think well were you there last year <laughs> like you know it was uh, ankle deep mud so um yeah uh, I'm not a there's definitely some courses lend itself to it a little bit better than others but um yeah and I know some races now you know they offer prize money to beat a record so it does become a factor like you know there might be the prize for the win but then also to beat the record like i think dolomite square run did a bit of had a bit of controversy there last year and um you know to try to break um the record there or go sub two hours and things which is um yeah it's, a, it's an incentive it's good it's good uh good publicity but you know if you get if you get snow and ice and you know rain and mud or whatever you're um yeah you're not going to do it yeah it's, I mean, it's a really good it's a good point because you know trail running is in nature and so we all know that uh, the conditions change from year to year, you know. And I've had races, for example, where there's been a rock fall and things like that, and the courses have to go around it, and and, yeah. and the course, you know, the course changes quite a bit. You know, the record still stays, but you know, suddenly the the course has actually changed by you know, it could be thirty seconds or a minute or something like that, you know? and it um, and it all makes a difference. So I, I don't really, I've never put a lot of um, you know, a lot of emphasis on records, you know. Yeah, I just you know. What, what what you know what's been important to me is you know all throughout my career I just enjoy you know the competitive aspect of, of being in a race and 
you know, and, and, and pushing myself and um, you know, just seeing seeing how well I can go. I've never been particularly worried about about the time. Yeah, it's about the win, isn't it? I mean, that's what you, you're competing against fellow athletes. It is it, that strategic win. It doesn't matter how how fast you do it. It's it's being numero uno across that line, isn't it? it um, that, that's what racing's about. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's the, um, the racers' instinct. But I, I think you know what, what we've sort of found, and and it's not just last year, but the whole FKT thing has been has been growing and growing yeah. over over. Yeah over a number of years, but last year was the real kind of, you know, suddenly it was, um, it was skyrocketing in terms of popularity yeah. given that those were cancelled. So, you know, there's, 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 it's definitely um, merit in, in, in doing that, but I I still think the FKTs are a more personal thing. Um, you know, it's, it's a personal satisfaction to knock it off and, and, and to do the time, but, um, but again, you know, coming back to what Aaron said, you know, like forces change, conditions change. Um, and it's not really so much about measuring your time against somebody else's. Mm, it was yeah. um, one of the odd things, which we'll probably see more of uh, with racing in um, 2021, was like last year in a few races that got up because of wave starts and because of uh, uh, the, uh, the social distancing kind of rules and regulations. Um, it, it was that the winner wasn't the first person across the line. Um, is yeah like I, i'm used to from say vk racing where it's like a time trial and you you just you go and then you find out how you went um mm. i prefer the mass start ones because I, I like to chase especially in europe i'm always uh, always chasing the faster guys uh, um and it is hard because you sort of cross the line and you think well i don't know how i went but you know if you've, if you've given it all so yeah like one of the events last year i remember seeing the, the winner like waiting to see if the person from the next wave was was faster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it kind of lost a little bit of that, you know, like, whoa, first cross the line, there's the win. <laughs> that's that's yeah. really strange. That'll be that would be hard. I probably won't win any more racing, but uh, that would be hard to get used to. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? I found I found those time trial races so much harder. You know, it's so much harder mentally to you know yeah. to keep pushing yourself like that. You know, when when you're in a race situation, you you've got that. Um, You've got the toing and throwing, and you've got that reference right there with you. You, know, with you. you can, you can, you know, immediately if you're having a bad race, <laughs> because you, you know, you know, immediately if you're having a good, a good race as well. Whereas you don't have that in, in the time trial. Time trial, yeah, and, yeah. You uh, can... And a PK time trial, oh, it's one of the hardest, hardest races. Yeah, yeah you, you can put someone in the hurt locker pretty easy, can't you? On a, in a race situation, because you can just toy with them and like dangle them on a bit of string. But in a, in a time trial, you got no idea what's going on there. <laughs> well, I remember like the first first VK I did was like Chamonix VK, and because it was uh, it was seated and I and I had a late start, so you're catching people now. Normally, if you're catching people in a race, it means you're doing really well. But you realise that some of these people were just doing it as a as a leisurely hike. <laughs> so <laughs> if you kind of like did your head in because you're like, I've got this guy, I'm catching him, and you realise he's like, Hey, how you going? You know, you're like. <laughs> And you're just like, oh, okay, you're not uh, you're not in the race or you're or you're just you know, you're just finishing the race. Um so you, yeah, you have to mentally it was really really tough. So Yeah, 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 they are, they are tough. And then uh, people are coming up with you know with more more and more um mentally challenging uh, um forms of, of racing and uh, you know, the last person standing uh, races, for example, are yeah, yeah. another relatively new phenomenon, which is um, which is another, you know, it's a, a lot of you know, big mental aspect and doing an event like that. 
Well, uh, I guess we, we'll wrap it up, but um, it's also this year, I guess, the exciting thing uh, which your other connection to World Mountain Running um, as the president, um, the combined World Mountain and Trail Running Championships uh, in Thailand in November. So uh, if I don't see you in Italy before that, um, I hope we can travel by then and at least maybe catch up in Thailand. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a. Well, I, I can talk about it now. It's been uh, it's been on the on the back burner for so long that uh, you know yeah, it's, yeah. Been, it's been something we're not allowed to talk about for you know, it's been, it hasn't been confirmed for such a such a long period of time. But yeah, look, you know, as, as a as a I'm I'm still the president for the World Mountain Running Association. So you know, um, given that you know I got so much out of the sport as a as a runner and an athlete, um, I thought it was worth. Um, Giving, giving a bit of my time and effort to, you know, to help the sport, you know, hopefully grow and progress. Um, and uh, we've been working towards this this um, project of of having a, a world championship where we combine both mountain running and trail running together in, in one event. Um, so there'll be there'll be four races, um, two trail races, two mountain races. One one mountain race being an uphill event, and the other mountain race being up and down. Um, whereas the trail running will be, be two different distances, an 80k and a 40k. Um, so yeah, Thailand is um, is going to be the first host of that, and we're we're, we're we're super excited just to be able to you know be able to put it on its feet and um, and be able to offer something which we you know, which we really believe is going to going to help grow the sport. And, and um, yeah. I've always always felt that um, you know there's there's so many different Kind of parts of off-road running. Uh, if we talk about the different um, sponsors or the different um, different federations involved with it, it's nice to have a chance where we can actually have two of the parts of the sport coming together. So mountain running and trail running doing doing something together. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hopefully, hopefully it goes ahead. I mean, yeah, November potentially. Yeah. And then obviously, ooh, then 2022, I guess, is, is the next year. Now, Jonathan, as part of the show, we'll we'll probably wrap it up here. We've well, we've had a long discussion today. Thanks very much for your time. I'll see you late there in Italy. It's been bed, bed time for you. But as as a part of the show, we like to highlight the year that the guest was born in. Now, you're 1972, and and just to highlight a few things that happened in that great year. year. Great, great year. year. Yeah. No. Um, great year. Yeah. That year. Okay. Smoke on the Water was, uh, this is in the music scene, Smoke on the Water, Rocket Man and Ziggy Stardust were big hits in the charts back in 72. Oh, wow, and they're still big hits today. Yeah, well, they are, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And then on the on the big screen, we've got The Godfather. Um, events, obviously, of the year, there was the tragedy in the Munich Olympics with a terrorist attack there that happened in 72. That was a sad time. Yeah. Uh, Watergate, obviously Nixon. There you go. And then uh, there was um, apparently it was the Japanese Winter Olympics as well. So that there you go, There's a bit of a connection. Hopefully Japan will happen this year. Um, and you, is it? I think it is. Is it going ahead? The Olympics, hopefully. There's, there's big talk of it well, happening. Yeah, we we sort of look at it with interest, don't we? Because you know, if an event of that size can go ahead in in, in some some way, shape, or form, then you know, there's there's probably hope for other bigger events. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, that was back in the days when they had the Winter and Summer Olympics on the same, same year. year. Didn't they? That yep. Well. yep. That's what happened there. Yeah. And you share the same uh, birthday year as Gwyneth Paltrow and Ben Affleck. There you go. 
So, uh, yeah, there you go. And, and you do share. Like, actually, when I was doing the research on who was born on your birthday, uh, there was a guy called Anders Ulden, who's a Norwegian musician, and a Jan Kaulund, who's a Czech hockey player. And guess what? Your name came up as well on the search. <laughs> <laughs> so you must be famous there, Jono. I must have been in there, in there, uh, filling it out myself. Yeah, yeah. You're listed as a, a five thousand uh, um, uh, New Zealand. I think it was Olympian. I think that's what it said. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. Yeah, one, yeah. yeah cool. All one right. thing I learned, Jonathan, is uh, we share a middle name. We don't really, Craig. Yeah, yeah. Craig. There you go. Craig. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, other than that, I did joke to Matt. I said, um, he, yeah, like a couple of years ago when when I first, well, prior to first meeting you, um, I made a joke to Matt. I said, uh, oh, Jonathan Wyatt, like he's a legend. Like I said, between him and I, we've won uh, six mountain running world championships. <laughs> and uh, but so I can only say that we we share a uh, share a middle name. That's as that's as as much as we uh, you know, and, and the last of people, but. <laughs> cool. Excellent. Cool. Hey, Thanks, and, and, and a lovely <laughs> yeah. No, no. Thanks, John, for, for for the opportunity for having a chat with us. It's been great. We'll, we'll try and drag you on uh, later on in the year if we can. Now, what we're going to do, we'll leave the viewers and the listeners, maybe the viewers, the listeners, right, with the um, with uh, a little bit of footage of you actually running in in your uh, let, let's say your home uh, home country, not New Zealand. I'm saying Italy. So we'll we'll show this to the viewers. All right. Thanks, John. Much appreciated. Okay, we'll say adios, everyone, as we show the footage. Okay, thanks, thanks very much, everybody. Ciao. Bye now. Ciao, ciao. Basta! Sono stufa di questo rumore. Adesso in te. Bene Davide, vuoi dirmi allora quali sono le principali unità di misura? Alessandro, puoi stare attento! Che hai bisogno di energia per cui. Cana 2 agosto 1998, al via la prima edizione della Dolomite Sky Race. La fatica sul volto dei partecipanti all'arrivo al rifugio Boe. Mamma mia, che gara! Nel cuore delle Dolomiti! Emozionante l'allungo di Faustino Bordiga sulle rocce Ultima del passaporto. All'arrivo per Daniela Girardi. La neve rende ancora più complessa questa scalata per le vette di Canazzei. Tra gli uomini del cielo! Dai sbrigati che fai cadere all'elemento! Il caldo, la fatica, il sudore di Fulvio da Pizzo, il Pizzo è.
scalata di uomini straordinari, temerari. La fatica non gli fa paura. L'allungo in discesa di Antonella Confortola. Tanta neve quest'anno a disturbare la scalata dei concorrenti. Antonella Confortola! Sicuramente la pioggia sta ostacolando i concorrenti in questa edizione. Kylian Giannet Borgada! Elman superata da Forsberg! Mamma mia ragazzi, che spettacolo! Emozionante, davvero una grandissima edizione.